Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Church of Jubilee podcast. My name is Pastor Jonathan with the Church of Jubilee. I pray that this week's message would bless you, that it would encourage you, and that it would move in your spirit. Have you ever felt betrayed? Have you ever felt disowned? Have you ever felt talked about? You've been denied. People don't recognize your strengths. They don't recognize who you are. Well, Jesus Christ went through this at the same time. Um, You know, he's gone through this himself. And in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 55 through 56, we see that, uh, you know, Jesus speaks to these this crowd, this multitude, and he asked them, you know, uh, they come out here with these swords and they come out with clubs to, to arrest him. And, and he's puzzled by it in a way because he's saying, you know, why are you coming to me like this? Why are you coming to me in a way where as if I have committed a crime, which he did not commit a crime, by the way. But he does recognize that all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then at the very end of that scripture of 56, it says that all the disciples forsook him and fled. I want to encourage you today that if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling by yourself, if you're feeling like you have no friends and you have no one to go to, I want you to know that Jesus Christ was in your same spot more than 2,000 years ago. He felt that. He felt his own betray him. He was not recognized by those that should have known him. And uh, I want you to just be encouraged that he overcame that because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So he overcame the world. He overcame the betrayal and he became uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Today's message, I've entitled it Betrayed and Denied. So I pray that you would just be blessed by the message. Continue to share it. Do us a favor. Share it. Get it out there. Don't just hold it in. Um, Share it with somebody. Let somebody know about it. It's all about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as always, thank you for tuning in to the Church of Jubilee podcast. May the Lord bless you and surround you with his great word and protection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. So I welcome you to the Church of Jubilee. Amen. And I'm going to jump right into the word. I believe that the, the Lord has something special for you today. I believe that if you are here today, it is no coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. And I don't think if the Lord was here with us walking in the human flesh, that he would also say it's a coincidence. Hallelujah. If you're here today or you're watching today, it is because the Lord has a word for you. Amen. So don't turn around. Don't tune to another channel. Stay plugged in right now. Let's go to the Bible. And let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 26 hallelujah the book of matthew chapter 26 verses 55 through 56 yes hallelujah the book of matthew if you're following online the book of matthew chapter 26 verses 55 through 56 and let's read together we have it up on the projector And if you would read with me, in that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And I want you to put a very important focus on the last part of the scripture where it says that then all of the disciples forsook him and fled. 
Then all of the disciples forsook him and fled. Hallelujah. As you are there and as you take your seats, giving glory to God, you may have your seats. I, I want you to think upon what I just read. And I've entitled today's message, Betrayed and Denied. Hallelujah. Not a very popular message amongst the crowd. Hallelujah. Not maybe you're maybe you may be watching and being like betrayed and denied. What kind of title is that? Well, it's one that our Lord and Savior did, that he had, one that he experienced firsthand. Hallelujah. That in one of the greatest moments of his his life, as he's ending his human fleshly life, he, he runs into this situation where all of his disciples that supposedly loved him, all of his disciples that were to be close to him, they forsook him and, and they fled. So let me give you some background. As Jesus says at the very end of his human, human life, human life, I'm sorry, and he, he has just prayed this great prayer, this great sorrowful prayer in the, in the garden of, of um, Gethsemane. If you don't know what Gethsemane is, you have to look back a few preachings ago that I preached a message on that, especially around Easter Sunday, hallelujah, or around that time. It's a garden, hallelujah, where the prayer of Jesus Christ was being made and presented, hallelujah. It was not a pretty prayer. It was a prayer that meant something, that had pain and sorrow, and, and he knew that he would be betrayed at one point in time, but it still hurt so much as a human. He still felt so much as a human to understand understand how much with suffering and pain he'd have to go through and he's just got done praying that prayer in the garden and a bit earlier he's talking to his disciples and he, he predicts that one of his closest disciples would not only um, and one would betray him but one would deny him I don't know when the last time you've been betrayed was or is. Hallelujah. You felt betrayed by people that loved you. You may have felt betrayed by those that you called so-called friends. Where are your friends now if they're not with you by your side today? Where are those people that said they would be there if they're not with you right now today? So-called friends that you had are no longer there with you anymore. They've long left you, betrayed you, and they denied you. So here comes, you know, this, this situation that we begin to, we read about in Jesus speaking to the multitudes and, and uh, you know, the chief priest and the elders along with this, this big old crowd, they came armed to arrest a God of peace. I don't remember ever Jesus Christ getting into a fight with somebody and punching them or, or stealing something from them or saying, I'm going to kill you one day, threatening them. He came in a peaceful way, but yet they came to him. And this is why he says, you come to me as I'm a robber or a thief with swords, with clubs. You're ready to take me out with a weapon. But yet I was in the temple at times and you didn't even come to me. Yet I was teaching and healing people. But yet you didn't dare come against me. So I want to ask you something personal to reflect. Have you been betrayed before? 
Have you felt that betrayal as a human? Have you felt that loneliness that comes with betrayal? Where you're counting on somebody to be there. You're counting on somebody to do something. And you're, you're the, yes, I know I can count on this person. And the moment you look to the different direction, the person betrayed you. Well, this is what Jesus feels. And one of the first points I want to make is if you think you're the only one that's been betrayed by somebody who loves you, you're absolutely wrong. Because here's Jesus and his, one of his disciples named Judas. For those of you who don't know, one of the disciples named Judas. You would think that the story of betrayal would be that somebody not so close to Jesus would betray him. But then along comes Judas. And I find it interesting the way Judas is introducing who Jesus is to the chief elders and people that are going to arrest him. Judas betrayed the Lord and was responsible for signaling. His main job was to signal to the priest, to the chief priest, and who, who was the person that was going to arrest him. He said, when I go and I hug and I embrace him and I kiss him, that is how you know he is the one. Can you imagine that just for a moment? You're greeted with a hug and a kiss. You're greeted with something that is a form of love, that is a signal of embracing. If you hug somebody, it's because you care about them. If you go and kiss them on the cheeks, it's because you respect them out of reverence. You're giving them a kiss on the cheek out of honor and reverence. Hallelujah. And here comes Judas, you know, showing this form of affection. He gives a hug and an embrace, a kiss on the cheek, you know, and he's showing according to what he thinks he's tricking God. You know, he's going and he's hugging him and kissing him. He's using his own language of the Lord. He's using the love language of Jesus Christ. And he's going to him and, come here, how are you, my master, savior? Give me a hug. Let me kiss you. And, 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 and deep within his heart, he has a different motive. How is it that we can show affection for one another? How is it that we do it? If you're married, you understand that your wife, if you're a man, your wife desires that type of care, that type of embrace, that type of security. And if you're a wife, you understand that your husband requires affirmation. He, he needs to hear that he's doing great. He needs to hear that he's providing for you. Amen? You understand the way that works because it is the language of love. It is that language that signal the, 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 you know, the mannerisms of what you do that gives off the indication that either they're doing great or they're not doing so great. But let me just begin to tell you if you're watching today that betrayal has no loyalty and it has no shame. Hallelujah. Especially when the enemy is involved. The enemy is Satan. He is the enemy of our souls. He is the enemy of mankind to us that we know as the body of Christ. He is not our friend. He is not your friend. And anytime he is involved, he has no loyalty to you whatsoever. And there is no shame in his game. I'll tell you that right now, you can be, you know, you can be one of those kind of people that are out there living it up. But at the moment it comes to exposing you, he will not hesitate to expose you. But I wonder if how many of us come to God with our own motives? 
And I want you to hear me out on this because I know there's somebody out there that has felt betrayed and denied and, and, and they may have felt like Jesus. And I want you to know that if he has gone through it, we can too. But how many of you have had your own motives when you come? You come to Judas. You're, you're like, you know, sometimes I, rem, I think back and I say, we're, we're similar to Judas. Because we come to the Lord, but we only come to God when we need something. You ever think about that? There's, all, there's those, those certain times that, oh, I need, so, I need a prayer for somebody, God, and somebody's sick. So I'm going to come and plead to you. But I don't plan on really giving you a lot of my time. I just want you to go do the result of what I'm praying for. I don't want to put any extra time into it because it requires sacrifice. I, I'm ready to give my life to you, God, but I'm not ready to give it really to you. Hallelujah. I just want you for the blessings i just want you for the love that you give i just want to use you and then when i'm done with you i'll put you back upon the shelf come on somebody come on i'm, I'm talking to everybody here today you come to christ hallelujah but there are those times where we come or maybe you go and, and you you go to god but there's something that you have inside that's a motive there's something that you're like not willing to give it all. And we come and we come to God's language. And Lord, I'm praying to you right now. And I really need this to happen though. And can I tell you that don't get me wrong. The Lord will take any time you give to him. All he wants you to do is come humble and with a contrite heart, meaning a lowly and not a proud, prideful heart. He says a humble and a contrite, repentant heart. He will not turn away. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. For those of you who have been watching and you think or you're sitting here today and you think, man, I got to be perfect before I go to Jesus. I got to be perfect before I get to his feet. I got to get to, I'll get my life together. You got it all backwards. You got to come to God with your life, not all together, and he will put your life together. Are you with me? Because the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. That's word. That's scripture for you. If it's one thing you can count on is scripture. When you have scripture, it is God's promise to us. So here's what I mean when I say that we're like Judas at times. Because we come to God and we hug him and thank you, Lord. And God, help me with this. And Hey, you know, thank you. And can you please do this and give me all the riches of the world and, and give me all the best cars and give me all the best jobs and let me make the best money and, and let me win the, for my uncle, the Bitcoin and let me have a safe moon million billion dollar investment. Oh, God. I really pray that he gets that, by the way. <laughs> but what my point is this. We come to the Lord and we bring it to him, but yet our hearts are so far. Because many of us aren't ready for the life-changing commitment. We don't want to commit to God. We, don't, we want to come in there halfway, enjoy the benefits, and then we're done. There is a certain saying. I, I don't want to say this because it's probably not appropriate. But it's the only way I can. No, I won't even say it. But it says something, something, and quit it, right? You know? You get what I'm saying. These people of the world, they sleep with people, some, you know, with 
they just want to sleep with them for the night and it's done and it's over with and that's it. It's all they wanted. I don't believe that's the case with us. But what I will say and what I'm relating to is this. Many of us don't want to commit to the Lord with a relationship because we only want the friends with benefit privilege. We only want to be friends to God with benefits. We want to come to him and say, God, fix my entire life, but don't expect me to give my life to you. Mm-mm. Oh, no, God. I got to live my life. Can you say Amen. And this isn't an angry message. You know that I preach passionately. I don't know who this is for, but I know it's for someone out there. And then here comes the second point. I'll move on from the first. That the last part of the, of the scripture says that the disciples forsook him and fled. You notice the word of God says that all the disciples left and they fled. Not one of them would stay with him. In his deepest moment, when he was proclaiming to the world finally, that saying, look, this is who I am, and I am, the, I, I am, I am that I am, hallelujah. I am the, the Messiah, I am the Savior, and, and this is just who I am. If, if I could just get a, te where, where's my testimony, people? Who, what, where did they go? <laughs> Man, these guys are running. I don't want to be anywhere near him right now. He's about to get in serious trouble. No one stayed and defended his testimony. Not one apostle that walked with him for the time that they walked with him could stand there and sit there and, and be with him and just be there as a friend, hallelujah, and go to God and be there in that moment and say, Lord, I, I, know, I know that you're going through something right now. You're about to embark on this that you have to fulfill, but just know that I'm with you. Just know that I got your back, God. If they put me next to you, I'll die right there beside you. If only that would have happened. You know what we do here? You read it. They left. They fled. The Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who had healed and loved them and all and had, had been there in those moments when they needed an encouraging person. When they, when they felt all alone, he was there for them. And the moment that he needed someone to be there for him, they left. Once again, just like at the Garden of Gethsemane. You want to talk about how lonely you feel at times? About how depressing life can be? You haven't experienced what it is to truly lose those that should have stood up for you. Those that knew you, that you washed the feet of. And yet he's looking, where, where are they at? Running away. How you only probably have wished that you would have someone to share your life with. Hallelujah. Well, Jesus Christ went through this loneliness and betrayal. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because if you can understand that it is he who will never leave you nor forsake you, you'll understand not to want to leave his presence. You'll understand that the only place that you're going to want to be when you give your life to God and when you begin to serve him with your complete life, you're going to want to be at the feet of Jesus. 
We don't serve God because we're told to serve God. I serve God because I love him. I serve him because he's my everything. That as a man, I can say, man, when it's me and Jesus, I'll bawl like a crybaby baby. I don't mind that, hallelujah, because my love for him is real. Because I can only hope that if I was ever in that position where the Lord actually wanted to see my faith, that it would be ever prevalent and present in the moment, hallelujah. That I would not be a, a disciple that would run in the moment he needed me. But Jesus did it. And he did it all alone. And maybe you're like, I would not do that. I wouldn't be like that. I'd stand by God. i stand by him. Really? Do you stand by him now? Or in the moment that you run into problems in your life. I, I, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. Because every time I get near you, problems start happening. My car breaks down. You know, my sister hates me. You know, um, I don't have money anymore or I lose my job or, you know, somebody gets sick in my family. Oh, I don't know. I'm just saying, maybe you feel that way. So, you know what, brother? I'm just not going to get near God. I would rather just not be involved in that. Just put me in the multitude. Here's the thing you must understand. That even though you're going to feel those loneliness moments, the Lord would be there to provide. He would be there to restore you. Does it mean that you're always going to walk around, oh, I'm so happy, jolly, that somebody just cut me off? Oh, man, I love losing money to, to this and that. And I love just when somebody just cusses me out and they're flipping me off. And, oh, man, Lord, please give me more of those. <laughs> of course not. But you know what we do have? We have a God that loves that when we go to him and say, God, you know, I'm super frustrated. Right now at this, I'm about to get off this car and beat this guy. He's like, no, 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 no. Slow down. I didn't beat you, so don't beat him. Betrayed and denied. You know, you may be about all that pomp and circumstance when you're on the mountaintop. I want you to think about what I'm saying. You may be great and awesome and your, your zeal for God is Holy Ghost fire up on top of that mountain. But what happens when we are in the valley, because that's when your character is truly tested. When you are at the lowest point in life or you're barely scrunching through or you're going through something that's been in your life and you're like, I don't even know how I'm going to get out of this. What and who are you in that moment? Are you the disciples that run away and flee from God? Or do you come and draw near to him and say, God, I don't know what to think, say or do. But all I know what is I can do is give you my sacrifice. My sacrifice of a repentant heart. You see, repentance is tied to mercy. Hallelujah. When you come to God, you must understand it's more about just saying God I'm going to serve you anybody can say God I'm going to serve you come into my life great yeah 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 and then they go and they're like Psh, I did the deed I'm good now and there's no true change because if it's one thing that the Lord requires is repentance repentance is necessary because it puts God first 
Repentance is something that is important because when you come to God, you come and accept, as, as we have all done who have been saved, we come and say, we are not perfect. I am in need of a perfect God for me being the imperfect person that I am. You getting what I'm saying? I hope you're following me, those who are watching, because this message is also for you. You may understand, you may feel, hallelujah, that by accepting Christ into your life, you know, you may feel that that's a big step, but it's the most important step. But before you get to the acceptance, you have to know that you have to desire the change. Because if change isn't present, then are you sincere? Let me move on to my point number three. The strongest of his, at least in my opinion, of his disciples, one of them, Peter, fails him. Have you ever had a close friend or somebody that was just like you looked up to or you, were, you thought that they were... You know, your mentor, they thought you thought they were reliable, trustworthy, never gave you a reason to doubt them. And all of a sudden, they turned out to be somebody else. I've been there. Well, here's Jesus. And one of his closest disciples, Peter, he fails, but he fails in a way by denying him. Not only once, but three times. And the crazy part about it is that Jesus tells Peter, or he tells the disciples, one of you is going to betray me. And Peter being the, I probably would be Peter, honestly. I'd probably be messing it up. (laughs) But he was like, not me, God. I won't fail you. I'm confident that in the moment you need me, I'll be there. I will not fail you. And here's Jesus Christ in his mind thinking like, yeah. Oh, little do you know. But Matthew 26, 34 says this, that Peter, he tells Peter that he would be denied. Uh, 12, he says that he would be denied before the th- rooster crows three times. The reason my message, the last part of the message is called denied is because there are times in your life where you have needed to take a stand and you haven't. So in essence, what happens is instead of being a testimony, a beacon of light that Jesus Christ lives in you, you become Peter who denies Jesus Christ. How do you, how, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, if you ain't proclaiming Jesus and you're participating in everything that is out there, then you've denied Christ. So let's talk about Peter. Peter was the great friend, hallelujah. And, and he's saying, you know, no way. He's boastfully, he's proud. He's proud of what he's done. He's proud of what he's accomplished. And he says, nope, not going to happen. And then he goes into denial. Jesus says, no, yeah, yeah. You know. It's going to happen. No, 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 Lord, not me. And then here's, here's Peter. Shortly thereafter, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. In other words, he's in the most, one of his other critical moments 
where he feels his complete, the complete burden of a human. He feels it. And he feels it and he's feeling the full emotion of what is required. And he's like, you know what? He goes and he prays and I'm going to go talk to Peter. I'm going to go check on my boys. Peter and the two sons. I'm going to go check on them. I know I can count on them. Goes, Peter, what are you doing? You're asleep. He's asleep. But this was one of Jesus Christ, you know, his disciples, one of his perhaps his closest ones. And the best friend he had was asleep. So let's fast forward a little bit because instead of Peter praying like the Lord said, if you would just pray, you would, he goes, pray that you would not enter into temptation. Peter had no idea what that meant. And I'm sure I probably wouldn't have met no one that meant at that time if he would have said, Jonathan, pray that you will not enter into temptation. Okay, sure thing, God. Oh, man, I'm so tired. I'm asleep already. But what Jesus was trying to mention to Peter was pray so that you would not fail in the flesh. So here's what happens later on that day, later on in that moment, according to um, what the word says, the word states that Peter had been identified three different times and he's associated and he's, in other words, they see him and say, hey, hey, that's that guy. That's Peter. He was with Jesus. He's with that, that, that Nazareth guy. That's him too. No, not me. Absolutely not. No, you have the wrong person. I can't imagine what that feels like at that level. And then the, before the third time happens, the rooster crows. And this is where I can relate to that. Have you ever failed or felt that you failed God so much and you've disappointed him and that you have not lived up to what he requires and you're there? And well, listen to what happens. Peter hears that rooster crow and he remembers instantly that God had already told him that that was going to happen. Can you imagine what he felt? You just let the one person that matters to you, you let him down in a way where you denied him and he told you it and you, you denied that too. And, and, and you know, Peter, the word of God says, this is, this is what really captured me. This is it right here. This is what really just hit me hard. Because in verse 61, it says that Jesus looked to Peter like he looked at him. And it wasn't like, hey, good job. I'm almost positive that it was like, it's okay. I knew that was going to happen. I knew you're going to do that. I knew it. But I still love you, Peter. That had to have been the look. You know why? Because it brought conviction. It brought a hurt to Peter. And the word says that he left and he wept bitterly. Not cried, wept bitterly. I can't imagine a disappointed face on Christ. Uh, you know, when he looked at him, I'm sure it wasn't even disappointment because the Lord knew he was going to do it. But what I'm saying is for a human to disappoint in that sense, you know, we look to our daughters and if we did or our kids and if we disappoint them, we feel bad. You look at them and you're like, I'm sorry. And then you can tell there's hurt inside. 
And Peter walks away and he weeps bitterly. He thought he was stronger. He thought he could have, he could have done it. And I really believe he had good intentions. But his flesh failed him. Because your flesh is always going to fail you. But Jesus Christ won't fail you. You get what I'm saying? Because you got to capture that. He is the reason why we still stand here today. I don't stand here as a perfect man. I would have probably did worse than Peter, not even realizing it. But there is a God who loves us. There is a God who has given his life. There is a God that says, I have mercy. And while mercy is still here today, you can have it. But it requires you to change. It requires you to be convinced that the road of Jesus Christ is better than the road that is out there. Hallelujah. That coming to the Lord is a small sacrifice because it, it, it's, eternal, it's eternal reward is eternity. Where do you want to spend your eternity? It's a simple question. There's two places. There's a heaven and there's a hell. I'm not being a jerk. I'm not being rude. It's in the Bible. There are two places. You're either going to go one way or you're going to go the other way. You get to decide where that is. The road that we have chosen is the road to the Lord, the good side. And, and I believe that if you could just understand what I'm saying here is that if you just get to the right road, God will sustain you to love you. He will show you the great things he has for you. He doesn't expect you to come to him perfect. He doesn't expect you to come all religious and all shaped up and, and a dressed up suit. Just get to him the way you are right at this moment. And if you have already been in Christ and you've been straying away, then get to God where you're at at the moment. Because if my God can do what he's done for me in my life, then he can do it in your life. Meaning I have received forgiveness a thousand and a million times more than probably some of you. But I'm okay because I keep staying at his feet. Brother Abram, if you could help me out with the keys, please. Had Peter prayed, prayer is extremely important. You have to pray because when you pray, you're, you're declaring, but you're saying something that you have not seen happen. If I pray for my aunt or I pray for my, my brother-in-law, I'm praying by faith. I've not yet seen it come to pass, but I'm praying that what I'm praying for is actually going to happen. Faith. Believing. We don't have to look very far to the betrayal and denial the Lord faced. Because in our, let's be real, in our human nature, we are like the disciples. Because we are human just like them. And if it came down to where Jesus Christ was over there and he was about to get killed and, and persecuted and we were walking on earth with him and they were like, you knew that instantly you would have to be, in other words, if you associated with him, you were instantly going to be sentenced to die. How many of us would say, I'm willing to leave my family. I'm willing to leave my little girl, my son, my daughters, my grandchildren, my niece, my nephew. I'm okay with leaving them so I can die with Jesus. The reality is we probably would not. As sad as it is. Because it's human nature. 
So we fall in this critical time. Here's where I'm going. and I'm coming to a close. We're in a critical time right now. Right now the world is looking for a certain way, certain way of thinking. If you haven't noticed, everything, every legislative, legislative type of process or procedure or bill, it, it's moving towards a certain thing. And it's moving further away from the Lord. And this world's way of believing is huge because let's, let's just be real with each other. We have taken an extreme biblical moral hit where the Bible is not even credible anymore to people. Because <laughs> a man wrote it. But yet men wrote history, right? Let us stand. We don't need to compromise our standards. We don't need to compromise what God has given us. All we need to do is be in that moment and say and testify and say, yes, I am with him. Yes, I give given my life to serve him. Yes, if I have to die to myself, I will die in the flesh or whatever it has to happen. But I belong with him. He is my savior. He is my healer. He healed my mom. He healed my dad. He healed this person. He brought back a marriage that I thought wouldn't ever come back. He saved my marriage. Can I tell you that I'm with Jesus? I'm with him. We don't need you to go try to fit in with somebody. Don't go visit clubs and bars and try to go, I'm going to go preach the gospel in there. You don't have to. You just be the testimony of Jesus. So when they come and they're all, I'm tired of this life. Can I tell you about my, my God that I serve? If you have not given your life to Christ, your first step is repentance. You have to change and commit to change in your life. It's not a credit card where you can swipe up, swipe, swipe, swipe. Mercy, mercy, mercy. I've sinned. I'm mercy, mercy, mercy. It is not a credit card. It requires a change. God says, if I've given you a credit card, use it responsible. Responsibly. If you have felt the calling of God, if you felt the Lord work in your spirit, you feel the tugs inside. You felt the times that you've cried and you've cried out to God and maybe you're feeling that he's not been there a couple of times or you didn't, he wasn't there when you wanted. Just keep trying. Keep going to his feet. Keep saying, I'm with Jesus. Because the word of God says, if you come repented, meaning you want to change, if you come with a humble heart, with a broken heart, that he will hear your cry. I said this earlier and I'll say it again. Don't worry about being perfect. The only one that's perfect is God. But you got to get to him. You cannot afford not to know God and accept him. You can't afford to not live life without him. You will surely die a lonely person. You will die lonely. You will die betrayed. And on your deathbed, if you have a chance, you're going to wish you gave your life. Friends, family, I tell you because I love you.
I don't want you to, I don't want to see that. Because salvation is still here today. Because mercy is still here today. But maybe some of you have been in the shoes of Jesus Christ. You've been betrayed, you've been denied. There is one and there's only one God that we serve. And he will fill your emptiness. So as you are there, let's just lift up our hands right now to heaven. And let's pray for those people that need to hear this message. Let's pray that this word, that this message would move in your hearts, but not only in your heart and those that listen. Oh, Lord, I thank you, Lord. I'm praying for the listeners, God. I'm praying for the ones that were here today in the seats. God, I'm praying that you would bring conviction upon us, God. Upon this church. Upon those that seek to know him, Lord. Upon those that have been on the border, God. That you would save them from condemnation, God. That you would save them from a path to hell, God. That you would return them, Lord, to you, Lord. That you would bring them back to your love, God. That you would show them how merciful you are. That you would show them how much you love them, God. As you love Jesus.